0: hello hi how are you
1: i'm um, interesting how are you
0: <laughs> i am fascinating
1: <laughs> uh
0: yeah it's i am a-, a i am a case study i'm a patient zero <laughs> i'm an officer and a gentleman and i have training in neither of those things <laughs>
1: Oh come on! You grew up in the south. I'm sure you've got tons of gentlemanly experience.
0: Well, I mean, I still hold doors for people, but that's pretty much the extent of my gentle manlyhood. That kind of sounds like you have a small penis when you say it like that.
1: <laughs> I don't know that's sweet. <laughs> uh,
0: or, or just a really polite one.
1: Yeah, just a really. <laughs>
0: just penis. My penis holds doors for people. Holds hands with old ladies as they cross the street. <laughs> it's
1: a really hard image to get out of my head. All right, this got dirty
0: in one minute. That's impressive. I think that's a new record. I think that's a new record, and I also think that's a record we should continue breaking. <laughs> Next
1: time you skype me, I'm just going to say penis, just right off the bat, and then and then I think we'll win.
0: No, we we've got to move on from penis to something even more graphic. Nipple clamps. Fair enough. That's
1: that's where you oh God oh god sorry it's been a weekend
0: i didn't even know i had play until i did were they like friend plans or
1: yeah friend plan. like my friend is in town and he is getting married and i'm one of his bridesmaids oh yeah <laughs> we had a fitting yesterday and i realized that being a bridesmaid is just like an exercise in loyalty yes
0: that's pretty much it yeah it's like how, how silly an outfit can i make you wear and what things can I make you do for me? Prove yourself.
1: Exactly. So during lunch, he told all the bridesmaids that he wanted us to do a dance during the reception, chronicling his life with his soon-to-be spouse. So they're, yeah.
0: Is this a gay couple?
1: Yeah. In Indiana, you say? Well, no, they live in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, but, he's, but he's from Indiana. So he was like, yeah, I want you all to do a dance, chronicling... <laughs> my time together with my future spouse and I was like okay well that's a great idea but what would you rather have and he was like nothing I went to dance and I was like really just really think about it what would you rather have and he was like okay I'd rather have detox perform at my wedding I guess and I was oh, like oh okay,
0: my god
1: let's make that happen because <laughs> let's make that happen <laughs> That way I'm still winning, but I also don't have to embarrass myself publicly. So I think that's a win-win for everybody right there.
0: Detox is, of course, Detoxic Hunt, one of the final contestants on RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: Yes. Well, another contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race happened to be one of my RAs in college. You know her very well. And I called her yesterday and she's like, detox and I have the same booking agent. So here's his information. And then I was like, OK, cool.
0: Awesome.
1: Holy shit. Yeah. And also I looked on Facebook and detox happens to be mutual friends with 19 of my friends. One of them happened to be one of my best friends. So I, I called him up and I was like, can you get me their information specifically so I could try to get a reduced rate? And he was like, yeah, sure. Here's his email. So I'm going to
0: make this happen. Oh, my God, Asia. <laughs> I believe that by announcing this on the By That I Mean podcast, you will pretty much make it happen. Yeah, um, And it's entirely due to this podcast and not your efforts <laughs> that you've just described in detail. <laughs> I cannot wait for you to sneak a camera or get us the video footage from this from this wedding so we can broadcast the audio of it.
1: Oh uh, well, apparently it's going to be on Facebook, which is even like strengthening my resolve to not have to do this
0: dance. So I love that that was his idea of like the impossible thing to tell you. I know right? that I- would somehow shame or intimidate you <laughs> into <laughs> shaming and intimidating yourself and dancing. <laughs> so, but I I'm just. So glad that this happened to be the one random wild request that you can actually make happen with relative ease. Yeah.
1: Like, have you met me? Really? He <laughs> like, you, you won something that's completely within the realm of possibility for me. So, yes, <laughs> like, at least make the challenge a little more challenging next time so that there's like a threat that I might have to dance. This is not...
0: Yeah, yeah. like, have Detox perform at my wedding while riding a unicorn. That might
1: be a little more difficult.
0: This, no, this is... No, but then you would find out you have, like, 15 mutual friends with a unicorn (laughs) and that it has the same booking agent as Detox...
1: <laughs> like, I do know some fancy unicorns, I must say,
0: do they have reduced rates?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're relatively available at the moment
0: they're not they're not that popular, so yeah, it's not unicorn season, yeah. you know, like it's it this is the off time, so much like Disney World, you could probably get kind of a kind of a discount,
1: true after the restaurant, we help somebody move. And then we went to my friend's hotel with his niece and his nephews and there was a pool and they were all like really excited that I could just throw them in the pool like it was nothing because they were like seven
0: and they just kept running up to me like, do it again. So I would like pick one up, and just like fling him in the middle of the pool. It's fun. When you were picking them up, were you lifting that weight from your core up or were you trying to lift them just with your shoulders and arms?
1: It was my core. I was lifting them by their shoulders.
0: Like, they're underarm. I don't care how you throw children in the pool, no. How It just matters that you're throwing them in. <laughs> did these kids know how to swim? Yes. yes, they did. Yes,
1: they did. And it was a five-foot pool. So if anything could happen, I could just, like, walk across it and grab a five-foot. That's, like, such a waste of a pool. Like, why would you have a pool that's depth only goes to five feet? That makes no sense to me. I didn't actually get in the pool because, like, I don't know how many children eat in it.
0: <laughs> so you hung out by a pool.
1: Drinking wine and throwing kids in.
0: That sounds like a wonderful way to spend an afternoon or evening.
1: It was different. It was different. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the kids
1: are adorable. They told me stories. Uh-huh. Well, I told them a because they said they liked wearing pajamas. So I told them about a magical land called Los Angeles where you could wear pajamas everywhere to court to the grocery store. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Those are your two examples.
1: No, and more. The super, yeah, well, wait, the I just, like, grocery were you store. about
0: to say the Super Bowl? <laughs> I was. I like, was I
1: just said that. I just that. Like to class, to work, like anywhere. You can wear, except for seedy places called nightclubs where you're supposed to dress up in very, like, tight, bad for your body clothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> bad for your body clothing.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> they told me stories about people that exploded.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, could these stories be independently verified?
1: <laughs> let's fact
0: check these children. I mean, let's let's be honest here. They've been thrown into a pool recently, so their recollection may be a little bit fuzzy. It's
1: was- you know, it's funny. It was like, I don't know, the the way the the energy with which they told the story, like I could barely understand them. But it was just so much energy, like they were really excited to convey the story. So for that reason alone, I didn't want to damper the party with fact checking and Google, because, I mean, there's seven, seven and eight year olds. You don't want to just like rain on their parade or stop them from
0: storytelling. Um, If not, when are they going to learn Asia?
1: maybe they'll learn around the same time they learn about Santa and the Easter Bunny and I don't want to be part of that that's something for their parents to to teach I don't need to get into that
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. been there done that don't want to go back all i'm saying asia is that you've created a bunch of young republicans and i hope you can live with that
1: i didn't do that at all actually i didn't do that one little bit one story i think it went something like this once upon a time there was a pretty pretty princess and then she <laughs> went home and she exploded that was one of the stories when i was like you know that's great
0: is that princess die <laughs> <laughs> <I didn't-
1: laughs> One of the other bridesmaids was like, "Is that princess's name Asia?" And then they got to the end of the story. I was like, "No, that was not about me." Wait, who said that? Some other bridesmaid. Who the fuck was trying to make it about you? Well, <laughs> it was before I got to the exploding part. It was just the pretty part, so I was okay with that. Until I was princess-
0: about to say,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> "Bitch, why are you trying to make it about me?" All <laughs> right, this is you about want me-, me to explode. <laughs> this isn't
1: about me. Why don't you back up? Oh. Uh-huh.
0: They were nice kids. Kids are the best. Yeah. Kids are the best because, like, really, they have that kind of boundless energy. And even though they don't necessarily have all the tools to convey the newness of seeing everything in their world, that kind of energy for it and that energy to share it is really infectious. Yeah,
1: yeah. At one point, we all had to go outside for a minute, and it, they were cold, so I told them to jump, and, like, at first, they weren't jumping, and then you have to pit them against each other, and then they just kept jumping, and it was good. I felt like, you know, like an actual parent.
0: Why'd you pit <laughs> them against each other?
1: I was like, you know, let's see you can jump higher. All right, you jump. Now you jump. Now jump at the same time. Now never stop jumping. Okay, got it.
0: And then I went back to what I was doing. I think you're just creating young Republicans all over the place.
1: No, no not. No, did, did
0: you teach them about the free market after this Asia in the importance of investing in gold?
1: <laughs> I, I taught them I just taught them to never stop jumping and about wearing pajamas in Los Angeles.
0: Wow, you're pretty much Ron Swanson. That's all I'm saying.
1: I think that I'm going to be a great parent one day if, if last night was any indication
0: <laughs> I got chills, and they are multiplying. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to take a breath after that. I'm just kidding. I do think you'll make a great parent someday. You're tremendously loving.
1: At one point, I made one of them cry. I, I love this part of the
0: story. Out. <laughs> I retract everything I said. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Okay, And I learned
1: really fast not to do what I did. But we all got on the elevator and I, like the doors closed and nobody pressed the button. So I pressed the button. And one of them cried because they wanted to press the button. And I had no idea. I was like, you know, if you're going to press the button, just press it. Don't just like wait for just Do it. But, you know, when we got the elevator again, I didn't press the button again. I just waited until a kid did it because apparently they really like to press elevator buttons. I have no idea.
0: Yeah. Again, it's a totally new thing for them. Like for them, it is a strange, shocking, miraculous like bit of magic that you like get it that you walk into this metal box and press a button and then go flying through the fucking air. Like it's it's completely novel to them. So again, that that makes perfect sense. But but also like I would tell the kid, you know, like if you want to press the button, just tell me and I'll I'll help you up or whatever. Or you could teach them real self reliance and leave them alone to walk the stairs as you take the elevator. <laughs> Elevators are for grownups, kid.
1: Get out. <laughs>
0: Get climbing.
1: I don't know. Wow. It was an experience. I don't know who in their right mind would let me around their kids. <laughs> but someone did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end.
0: <laughs> an even better end to that would have been. And I didn't even know who the parents of these kids were. <laughs> I just They were just walking down the street and I said, come on, I want to throw you in my pool. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I hope they got home okay. <laughs> what's what's going on in your neck of the Indiana's?
1: Um, I just got a promotion. Like uh, first, I got a lateral promotion where another company just bought me for half my week, and now I got like a promotion promotion, and then I got like an actual promotion promotion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. which, like, includes, like, a you know, a salary bump, which is always nice. And, and, like, the salary bump is, like, half my current salary. What? So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's a good bump. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm moving from a different contractor to another contractor for the same overall arching contractor for the state. So because of that, I need to update my resume, I guess, according to my manager. And so she gave me all these resumes without like the names on them, like examples. And I, uh, I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> I looked at them. I was like, this looks like bullshit. <laughs> like, what is it? One of them, they're like other oh, experience McDonald's from this to this. And like all these fancy words are what they did at McDonald's. She gave me like a list of action verbs. So let me let me find that. So so here are some action verbs you can use in your resume. Adapts, administers, advises, analyzes, applies, approves, arranges, assigns, audits, forecasts, generates, guides, budgets, builds, identifies, illustrates, implements, improves, initiates, inspires, inspects, instigates. <laughs> like, instructs, introduces, investigates, launders, <laughs> maximizes, minimizes, pilfers, <laughs> uh, retrieves, saves, schedules, secures, serves, simplifies, sells, stimulates, <laughs> 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 proactivates, purchases, publicizes, provides,
0: synergizes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, um, uh, upgrades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I noticed a conspicuous lack of biggie sizes on this. <laughs> what did the McDonald's people say?
1: <laughs> I don't know. But like, crap, these resumes are like foreign to me. They're like, I don't, one of them is four pages long. Like, I don't know what the hell a production executive has time to read four pages worth of boring resume, but.
0: Yeah, that's pretty vigorous. Yeah. Do you have to add a lot to yours or just to, like, completely, completely page one it. rewrite
1: it? Yeah, I had to page one rewrite it because like most of my experience is within the film world. So like, Well, but
0: whatever. why do you have to rewrite it if you have the job already?
1: <laughs> because um, I'm going to a new contractor and I could um, maximize <laughs> <laughs> my um, salary potential with a glamorized... Resume. Robust.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that you're adding adjectives as well as new verbs. Yes. Just. You're learning corpus so
1: quickly. I know. It's, it's like a whole new world here. One of these resumes has like two
0: previous jobs. Take up two pages. Two jobs. Did they write like their entire fucking job description into it? Pretty much. It's ridiculous. I'm like,
1: I don't like this resume. I wouldn't read this resume. I wouldn't hire this person. But I mean, they weren't
0: they, they weren't hired. I don't know if hiring managers give any credence to all that corporate bullshit jargon that is just shoehorned into every every line of a resume, but people still use it.
1: Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I will save my bullshit for the cover letter. But my resume has to be like a like
0: a <laughs> or, res- or for when I get the job. <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. Either one. But my resume needs to be an active reflection of, you know, what I can actually, my skill set. So I don't want to lie about my skill set because then they'll expect me to do that at the job and I'll be like, uh, uh. <laughs> I've been drunk since then. Like, what the hell am I supposed to say? Like, yeah, <laughs> lie about shit on my resume it does not
0: describe it. <laughs>
1: not
0: it's just not okay
1: it's like, just not it's just not granted the fact that i already do have the job is making it you know a little easier because they i know what's expected of me and they know what i can do mm-hmm. so that's fine nobody doesn't think i can't do the job so i guess if i could just write a bullshit resume then that's what i'm gonna have to do
0: anyway yep. I, so mean, yeah. I, I wish you luck in that resume crusade
1: i appreciate that it's hard it's so hard i hate talking about myself and on paper form, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if I could give them like just like a tape recorded resume. Why don't you send them a podcast resume? Hey.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I throw children in pools. Hire me. <laughs> Maximize. <laughs> Robust. <laughs> your life.
1: Let's talk about your life. What about my life? What's happened for you in the past since we last talked over the phone? Not even in a podcast. That's crazy. So when was that? Like a week ago?
0: Yeah. Yeah. About a week probably. What's happened with you? I finally have clarity on... The source of the ridiculous amount of pain I've had in my wrists and arms for the last little over half a year. Yeah, I have been having pretty much daily, pretty much constant pain, really mostly in my wrists. And I've been getting physical therapy for it for four or five months now. And now occupational therapy instead of physical therapy, which is much more specialized toward the hands and arms and wrists. But I didn't have an actual solid diagnosis for what was causing this. I had gotten x-rays the first day that I went to a doctor about it, late last year. And I got another set of x-rays in March. But none of the x-rays were really conclusive. When I got sent to my current orthopedist, he looked at the most recent x-rays. And he worried that I had torn the scapholunate ligament which is the ligament in each of your hands that is responsible for the gripping motion. And if you tear that, it requires surgery and over three quarters of a year of immobilization. So that was fun to hear. He, in his very dry way, then said the other option is that I have incredibly flexible joints and ligaments and just that I'm very flexible. (laughs) So the two possibilities, once again, three quarters of a year (laughs) of not being able to work or take care of myself, or I'm bendy. He sent me for what's called a contrast MRI. Um, And I'd never gotten an MRI before. Of course, heard horror stories from plenty of folks, but I refused to panic or get anxious about it. I just, at this point, was ready to understand what was causing all this pain and just have some clarity on it, you know? So a contrast MRI... The contrast of it is that they inject a dye into whatever area they're taking the MRI scans of. And that dye shows up as white on the MRI. And and of course, they they shaved about a third of my forearm (laughs) on each side. Just a third. Just a third. Just the third. And I'm like, you can't wax the whole damn things. Come on now. So they shaved it. They injected a numbing agent into the center of my wrist, which was actually the most painful part and was just horrifically painful. Um, And then they uh, inject the needle and inject the dye. And by the time they're done with the numbing agent, of course, you have very little feeling in the nerves but you still can, you still have feeling there, like it's just not painful. The doctor who injected the dye went ahead and put in about three ounces in each hand, which, and I looked at it afterward, does not look very dramatic whatsoever. But when she injected it in, it felt like I had balloon hands. It felt, it literally felt like my hand was blowing up like a water balloon. I had brief flashes in my mind of what it would look like if I had balloon hands, you know, like uh, trying to make coffee in the morning, balloon hands trying to fly a kite, balloon hands in slow motion slapping someone in the face. But then I actually saw my hands and they they weren't that puffy at all. Then the, the MRI was an open MRI. Which still means that you lay down on a slab and get slid into a tube, but that that tube has, like, gaps on both sides and is still mostly enclosed on the top and the bottom. The scans themselves took about an hour and 20 minutes or so on each side. It's like a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour process each time for each hand.
1: Wait, so they they did these separately?
0: Yes, just because they took so long. Mm -hmm. I laid down. I was in a. I was in a lovely gown that had three armholes because you put the gown part on and then wrap it around again once more so your butt doesn't hang out, which I found rather considerate. Yeah, that's nice. That's- Especially for people with three arms.
1: <laughs> that's a service they don't usually.
0: They don't usually give, so that's nice. That or they just had a bunch of extra gowns and cut them all together. Who knows? (laughs) I was numb in the hands and laid down in this machine. And they have kind of a brace that goes around your arm where the actual scanning is happening. And they stick all of these little cushions and pillows and stuff into the little enclosure to completely immobilize her hand the best part is once it's all stuck in place and you're straight on target and all of that it's impossible really to even take a deep breath without like putting your shoulder blade out of position and kind of making that hand move so I was taking like three quarter deep breaths the whole time which was not fun but I mean it was what it was so at the end of each of them, the imaging technician gave me a CD. So I have, I have two CDs of my MRIs. I somehow resisted the urge to run home and throw the CDs on my computer and try to look at the pictures and diagnose myself. Thankfully, I got into the orthopedist office the next day, and it turns out I am very flexible. <laughs> Nice. That's that's part of it. Um, The actual pain is coming from the fact that one of the two bones, one of the two major bones that runs through each of my arms, my ulna, um, are shorter than the other main bone, which is called the radius. Most people's radii and ulnae are equal in length, and I am just special in that way that those two bones in me happen to be a bit shorter. (laughs) And the repetitive stress of the work that I do, sitting in a computer all day, photoshopping and such, was making my bones rub together. Oh. Yeah. Ugh, that sounds painful. It has been. Indeed. The conclusion was that I I don't need surgery of any kind. All I need is more occupational therapy and exercise to build up the muscle tissue around my bones. And I'll be just fine.
1: How do you exercise your forearm?
0: There are a lot of things that I'm doing. I do various stretches, several different types of hand and wrist stretches. I'm actually doing one right now. And I have to do them Pretty much every hour. And then I do exercises. There's one where I grab a tennis ball and hold on to it strongly for five seconds and release. And I do like a couple sets of those. There are other tools that I use at occupational therapy to do exercises. But here at home, I have some pretty light hand weights that I, I do my exercises with. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and it, it it has already made a difference. But I'm very encouraged and ridiculously relieved because <laughs> it's it, it's definitely possible for me to overcome this and not have to worry about it anymore. But I will have to do these stretches and and exercise for the rest of my life. Really? Yeah. So you got a life sentence. A, a life sentence of taking care of myself. How how terrible. That's
1: horrible. I can't think of anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but what about like retirement? Because when you retire, you're not going to be putting as much stress on that part of your body. But you do lose bone density. I'll be
0: taking bone (laughs) (laughs) I I don't. Well, first of all, that's assuming that I'll be able to retire. I'm not sure if our generation will be will be able to retire. I, I I'm not quite sure that's the case because I, I don't. I think I get too stir crazy too easily. Plus, pretty much everything I do, I do with my hands. Even if I weren't working full time, I would still be doing stuff. That said, I would be at the computer a lot less often. You know. Yep. Or somewhat less often, at least. <laughs>
1: You know, for the uninformed listener, they're gonna think that you're talking about masturbation. I'm just saying.
0: I don't think we have uninformed listeners, Asia. <laughs> thinking about the if future. If you Seth. want to insult the brilliant and surprisingly beautiful audience of the by that I mean podcast, I will not stand for it.
1: If that's what you think, really, Seth and that's a low blow. You know that's not what I'm doing. I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about ways to reach kids. And I'm thinking about ways to not off-put kids once we reach them. One of those ways would not be talking about the hand activities
0: you do when you're on your computer. Just saying. And if there's an expert (laughs) in how to treat kids. It is me, obviously. It's Asia Coleman, child thrower. (laughs) Everything I do, I do it for the kids. I do it for the kids. (laughs) Asia Coleman, kitty tosser. Into pools, I think that distinction is important. Into pools, kitty tosser into pools. I don't, I don't think that quite works out, Asia. We're just gonna keep it at kitty tosser. I feel like that's the most efficient and descriptive term. for
1: it. <laughs> All I heard after I tossed him was, "That was awesome." So. <laughs> I am not even going to respond to that. (laughs) It's the kids dig the toss and stuff. They like it when you toss them into pools. And it was more of a throwing than tossing, really. Like, I threw them, like, vertically into the air and then into the pool. Why don't we get thrown in pools, (laughs) Asia? Because we were past that point in our life where that's cute. It's not cute anymore. What was the crossover for that? (laughs) When did it stop being cute? I think 12 is probably when it stopped being cute. It started getting real. For me, it was 12. I don't know about you.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't know about you. But I, I Like, now it's like they can push you into pools, and that's still cute. But if they
0: throw you, that's just weird. Are you
1: kidding? Pushing is never cute. Pushing is
0: cute if it's, like, flirty. I don't think so. I'm sorry. That's a... I feel like that is a microaggression. <laughs> I mean, shoving is not cute. I don't think it's cute. I think it's very scary and intimidating and invasive. I gotta rethink my flirting strategy then because
1: <laughs> push people into pools all the time. <laughs> I think
0: your flirting strategy should be to lift the person and throw them into the pool.
1: I don't think that's a flirting strategy at all. It's like well, I'm gonna hulk out of you.
0: Yeah, you should do the Xena yell too.
1: <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't, I can't do it. It just sounds racist when I do it for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> <can't do>
0: <laughs> but what kind of racist?
1: <laughs> the racist against hyenas and
0: other form of shrieking. We We do get passed around a lot in the hyena community. they are way more plugged in than you would think so let's watch our words here we do not want to alienate any more audience than we have to if there are any hyenas out there that are listening to the by that I mean podcast just know we respect you
1: and love you (laughs) and we're sorry that Simba ate you at the end of the Lion King that was a travesty do you think
0: they've moved on from that yet
1: no well, I mean, I think maybe because it was like it was an Im- it was an implicit eating, not an explicit eating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have an hour and 10 minutes. Guess we should get to the meat of the bone or what? That like- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, you you put it quite correctly. What a week. What a month. I don't know about you, but it just seems like everything everything is happening simultaneously everywhere.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the news media, though. I don't... And Twitter. It's
0: very true. And YouTube. Very uh, true. We're the never there. We have an always-on connectedness that I don't think humanity has had before. Yeah, and I, for one, am not prepared. I don't think anyone is. I'm not sure the human species is.
1: I mean, it's like it's one thing to read sad news in a newspaper or watch it on the news because that's a choice. But to some extent, there's no longer a choice involved in what you see and what you intake because it's everywhere.
0: Hmm. That's well, the- and not and not only that, but the job of witnessing and reporting has largely gone toward gathering video and photos and media from amateurs now. Uh, across many of the insane series of events that happened this week social media and always on internet audio and video and photos cut through all of them it was part of the boston bombing that's how they identified the suspects it was part of the texas fertilizer plant explosion and it ended up being part of the rice and letter story too it's pervasive it's
1: it's the new normal to quote an awful NBC reality or I mean, television show for some reason. Mm. It is. It's it's like I have to learn to live. We all have to learn to live like this now.
0: Mhm. It's uncomfortable. I mean, aside from the horrible fucked up things that are happening, the thing is they've always happened, but we've never known about them this instantaneously and this pervasively. Mhm and because it's so new and because the web is everywhere it makes sense that for a lot of people it would kind of stimulate their baser instincts you know like it makes sense to me why a lot of quote-unquote debates on the internet are just shit-flinging arguments and why so many crazy people find each other
1: yeah and the prevailing influence of trolls internet trolls just everywhere just everywhere right right all day and then making real people become trolls in real life. It's so weird. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just-
0: no, no, that's absolutely true. It, it's kind of made it okay to lie and it's made it easier to create conspiracy theories or radicalize other people or radicalize yourself. It's really easy to create an echo chamber, especially in platforms like Twitter, where false information can be spread instantaneously and then get reported on. Because like I said, mainstream news now gets content from amateurs.
1: Not just Twitter. It's made people in real life think that that's acceptable behavior and follow suit, like what they see online and what they see people saying online, I feel like, especially kids, has made them just assholes in real life. And I don't know, I'm going to be on a soapbox if I if I travel down this path, so I'm not going to go down it.
0: A- travel down the path to the soapbox.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, it's like, okay, so online you see people, when they make their arguments, they're not arguments, they're just flinging insults.
0: Right, right. And talking points or political ideas that they took from somewhere else and stupefied.
1: Yeah, it's like everybody's become Ann Coulter. And I, you know, I was okay with just one of them in the world. But now there's like a lot of them and like in society. Like, for instance, I was walking down the street the other day and um, there were all of these protesters for gun control, pro gun control, moms against gun violence And they were holding up signs. They had little kids with them on the street. And this like disgruntled man is walking down the street and he said something about, Why did you go back to Comrade Obama? or something. It was like it was really funny because it was like right in my face that it happened. So all I could do was laugh. But then at the same time it was like that there's little kids there. Like stop yelling at this, you know, these people. If you've got something to say, maybe spark a And you know, a friendly debate or a discussion as to what your viewpoints are versus their viewpoints or just yell at them and walk away. It's cowardly.
0: And it also doesn't prove your point yeah <laughs> it's, it's hilarious but it's just it's stupid and, and insipid. and i yeah that stupidity and that insidious attitude completely dominate our political discussions now and exactly as i was describing earlier that echo chamber has really facilitated the right wing and really facilitated the misinformation that's required to have that skewed and that hilariously wrong a viewpoint about the president
1: i feel like the right wing's whole entire platform has just become we're gonna yell the loudest
0: it has but unfortunately that's worked well and and not only are we gonna yell the loudest but we're gonna oppose everything the black man wants to do
1: (laughs) yeah just everything Uh, no
0: no but really everything
1: yeah just everything
0: i know this no, no all the things asia they, i got it so, so it's like, no to all the things
1: okay i was saying, wait 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 it's some things though right it's it's not like all the things
0: um let me check the list um no no here it says all unfortunately
1: oh, oh i wasn't really expecting
0: that yeah huh
1: but what about something like You know, like, minuscule, like, background checks for gun owners.
0: Just kidding. No, no, even that got shot in the face. What? Yeah, yeah. Putting aside for a moment that John Boehner never would have brought up any gun-related bills in the House unless they made machine guns mandatory for all white men in America, (laughs) expanded background checks couldn't even pass through the Senate.
1: I was really disappointed, just like the president. I was super disappointed when I heard about
0: this. Yeah, President Obama actually allowed himself to express human anger this week, which was, again, one of the 20,000 major stories that happened. There were not enough votes to overcome the assumed Republican filibuster of even the bipartisan Toomey Mansion background check bill. There were... a many bills that were proposed all in this one package, Harry Reid put together a right-wing, very conservative package of very mild changes to gun laws, such as expanding the background checks, making them universal. There was like a anti-gun trafficking bill that was part of it. There was Dianne Feinstein's assault weapons ban renewal as part of that package. And the Republicans filibustered everything and several senate democrats from very red states joined that filibuster and thanks to their efforts all of those proposals went down in flames this after newtown this after aurora this after arizona like abby gifford's shooting we have a senate that's bought and paid for by the nra among many other fine american companies
1: and it's so disappointing, especially because in government class in high school, we were taught that, you know, our elected officials were supposed to represent the will of the people.
0: Expanding background checks had 90% support. 90. 90%, 90%. It's not even 80. Yeah. 90. Not even 65.
1: That is as 90. close to an issue that would bring the cl- country together as anything.
0: I think more Americans like it than Americans like apple pie. Yes, or baseball. Or baseball. I could take or leave baseball, but I would never abandon pie.
1: I'm not a fan. I'm actually not a fan of pie. See? Wow. Yeah. I don't like baked fruit, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think more people were for background checks than if you asked all of the country's people if, you know, they would like $50, just somebody would give you $50. I'm pretty sure like that has would have less approval than this bill. That's crazy.
0: And yet it can't even get brought up for a vote in the Senate. It wouldn't have gotten brought up for a vote in the House. So at least for now, it looks like America will be a country that continues to tolerate 30,000 gun deaths a year.
1: This is disgusting. I mean, if lobbyists want to sway voting rights as, you know, writing letters to congressmen can't do, then they should be taxed to the fullest extent of the law and made a people. They should be made people.
0: Lobbyists should be made people. That's it. What do you mean should be made people? Like
1: they should be made people. They, I mean, they should have to vote. I mean, and they should have one vote that represents them and not, you know, the whole of America. Well, but they are people corporations
0: are people as well yeah corporations are people but lobby lobbyists, lobbyists are individual people lobbies aren't
1: like but in the nra for instance it, i mean it's a corporation like, is it a corporation or is it a limited yeah. corporation
0: oh probably an llc yeah
1: so it should be a whole that or
0: maybe a non yeah it
1: should be a, it should be a people it should be taxed a lot and it should only get to be represented once and not multiple times Sorry. I'm like, i was so over this vote. It was like, I was really upset about that. I was really upset about it.
0: I mean, I I just hope people remember this next year because there's going to be a chance to make a Congress that is able to actually bring laws up for a vote and perhaps pass some. But if people don't remember this shit and don't stay unhappy about it and don't stay disappointed and don't vote when they have the chance... This shit's only going to get worse, but it's all okay because we can still piss our pants and get our government to act when terrorism happens. This week, we suffered one of the only successful terrorist attacks on U.S. soil since 9-11. There was a bombing at the Boston Marathon committed allegedly by two brothers from Chechnya. What are their
1: names, Seth?
0: Their names were Tamerlan Sarnayev and Jokar Sarnayev. The older brother was 26, the younger was 19. Tamerlan, the older brother, was killed in a firefight on Friday morning. They were from Chechnya, but they have been U.S. citizens for one or two years. The younger brother, Jokar was brought in alive and is being treated. He has not however been read his Miranda rights yet.
1: I mean, is he under arrest or is he being questioned? Is there a difference?
0: There is a new, relatively new, it started in 2011, I believe. There is what is called a public safety, quote unquote, exception to Miranda rights.
1: If they don't put you under arrest, then they can keep you as long as they want for questioning related to any act of mass murder or murder in general. But if they arrest you, they have to release you within 48 hours if they don't have enough evidence.
0: Right, if they don't charge you. Yeah. This exception, and this is from uh, an article at the Wall Street Journal, blogs.wsj.com slash law. This public safety exception stems from a 1984 U.S. Supreme Court case, New York versus Quarles, involving a Queens man charged with criminal gun possession. A witness told police the man raped her and had a gun. When they found him at an A&P supermarket, he had an empty shoulder holster. An officer, after handcuffing him, asked him where the gun was. The man gestured toward a stack of liquid soap cartons where police found a loaded revolver. Lower courts tossed the evidence because the man wasn't read his rights before being handcuffed and questioned. The Supreme Court disagreed, articulating a public safety exception. Now, the FBI has extended this well beyond the description of the Supreme Court, and they consider the exception to be a quote-unquote powerful tool with modern application for law enforcement. There's a legal instructor at the FBI Academy named Carl Benoit who wrote, When police officers are confronted by a concern for public safety, Miranda warnings need not be provided prior to asking questions directed at neutralizing an imminent threat, and voluntary statements made in response to such narrowly tailored questions can be admitted at trial. So you have, under this court case, some period of time to make sure there aren't other accomplices running around and to make sure that if there is a foreign connection, that this isn't part of some unfolding plot of attacks.
1: And in, in that case, I can see how it's extreme. In this case, it's a completely different case. Completely different. I mean, considering on this car chase, they were literally throwing bombs out of their window at cops as they were chasing them. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty damning evidence. As to why you would want to hold this person
0: request. But, But if it is damning evidence, then it should be collected and it should be presented in a court of law. It shouldn't have to be extracted through extra constitutional things like this quote unquote public safety exception.
1: This isn't really extra constitutional yet because they're not under. He's not under arrest. He's being held
0: for questioning. I'm pretty sure he's under arrest.
1: So if they haven't Mirandaized him, then he I mean, I understand the the article and everything, but I don't I don't think he is under arrest yet, because I do think that they are still trying to figure out.
0: No, he was arrested. Yeah. Charges haven't been entered into a court of law that that process is called presentment. And I mentioned there was kind of a mini scandal going on. A lot of conservatives have been arguing that he should be sent to Gitmo. Um, but a lot of left-wingers have also been arguing that he needs to be Mirandized immediately. He has been arrested... He hasn't been officially charged. What to look for is how long it takes for them to actually charge him. Because at that point, he immediately needs to be Mirandized and he immediately needs to be given counsel, like to be given public representation. And the public defender of Boston already agreed to represent him in court. Either way, I believe this is progress in and of itself. What was set into place was an exception to the Miranda rights, but it will eventually require him to be read his full Miranda rights and to actually be tried in federal court. The fact that America is rediscovering that we can try terror suspects in court is a good thing. I just hope that if it had been a non-American citizen, that the same thing would have happened because America tried terror suspects in court highly successfully for many, many, many decades before 9-11 people don't tend to realize the huge shift that switching to this kind of law of war in military tribunals and unlawful detention and torture was away from the way america used to treat terrorism it really used to be a matter for the courts where it should be but at the same time i am uncomfortable with not informing people of their rights especially if it's an american citizen I know it sets into place that they're going to Mirandize him and give him representation, but I hope that happens soon.
1: Oh, and they have to charge him first. Exactly. Wow. Wow. Right. I mean, it's weird. I think that he's, I don't don't even know.
0: If it, if it will be so easy, and I have every confidence it will be to convict this guy, they should enter the charges as soon as possible. And they should give him the chance to mount a defense. Of course. That's what the law does we do presume people innocent until they're proven guilty but it's so fully covered that it's obvious
1: (laughs) but i mean to a certain extent it's it's not in that it's not clear if they were working for somebody or if right they were a part of a cell or if you know if they weren't so it's a weird story it just got weirder it's like you know the boston bombing happened and it was you know horrific and awful and then the texas Explosion happened.
0: We didn't even get to that yet. There was an explosion at a fertilizer company in Texas. But
1: then, not to be outdone, these guys were like, okay, well, let's shoot somebody at MIT, steal some money. Steal some cars and throw bombs at police as we're driving away. It was so weird. It was like, no, screw the explosion in Texas. Back to us now. It was. It was really hard to keep focus on what story to pay attention to, pay the most attention to. It's a very weird week. It was too much. It was too much.
0: It was. Yeah, there were. It, there was like a month packed into last week. It was insane. Yeah. So yeah this this Texas fertilizer company. This is an article from Reuters. The fertilizer plant that exploded on Wednesday, obliterating part of a small Texas town and killing at least 14 people, had last year been storing 1,350 times the amount of ammonium nitrate that would normally trigger safety oversight by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. A person familiar with DHS operations said the company that owns the plant, West Fertilizer, did not tell the agency about the potentially explosive fertilizer as it is required to do, leaving one of the principal regulators of ammonium nitrate, which can also be used in bomb making, unaware of any danger there. Fertilizer plants must report to the DHS when they hold 400 pounds or more of ammonium nitrate. Filings this year with the Texas Department of State Health Services, which weren't shared with DHS, show the plant had 270 tons of it on hand last year. So this article is more about what happened after the fact. But this explosion started as a fire and ammonium nitrate becomes extraordinarily combustible at high temperatures and when this place exploded it really took out much of a neighborhood much of that entire neighborhood of west texas was taken out in one fireball and more people were killed as a result of that than the boston marathon bombing
1: yeah, I remember that week, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, what's going to happen next? He's going to be attacked next?" And I was like, "Is this connected? What's going on?" And I just remember there was a lot of there was a
0: lot of dick tripping on that explosion as well. There was dick trippery all over the land. People chipping on dicks left and right. Well, and there was massive dick trippery in terms of the regulation and the regulatory agencies that are supposed to oversee this shit. As I'm sure you know, and most of the audience, if by that I mean, will understand, Texas is one of those red states. They don't believe in regulation of the free market. They like to let businesses do their jobs without the hurtin hand of government sticking a finger up at the profit motive's butthole. So there was a lot of not only deregulation there, apart from the DHS, this fertilizer place was subject to regulation by the EPA, OSHA, the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Texas Department of State Health Services, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, and the Office of the Texas State Chemist. But... The material is exempt from some U.S. mainstays of chemical safety programs. The EPA's risk management program requires companies to submit plans describing their handling and storage of certain hazardous materials. Ammonium nitrate is not among the chemicals that must be reported. The last time this place was inspected was 26 years ago.
1: I just read that today. I was like, it's either 1906 or 26 years ago. And I, wanted
0: to- <laughs> and I um, like- It might as well have been 1906. my <laughs> God. Like, to- Let's see. Do you still have your horses?
1: <laughs> like, uh, there's really no excuse for that much fertilizer. I mean, why do you need that much fertilizer? No, I mean, I'm actually serious. Like, what do they do with the fertilizer? I guess they sell it. There must be a high demand. Manufacture and sell it. Must be a high demand. I mean, is this what, like, is this for planting, or is it for just... Yeah. All right, I guess. I feel like there should be another purpose for all of that. I don't know.
0: Ammonium nitrate was the ingredient of the fertilizer bomb used in the Oklahoma City bombing.
1: Yeah, no, fertilizer. So
0: there was this little oversight of this fucking place that had a shit ton Of ammonium nitrate. Like, if they had no oversight for having that much. Would there be any oversight to catch someone stealing (laughs) unless they were stealing a whole ton of it? Like a literal ton. Oh God. 1,350 times. And that was not enough (laughs) (laughs) to compel them to maybe ask for a little bit of advice. They didn't even have to have, they're supposed to have blast walls, which are exactly what it sounds like. They're supposed to be walls built to contain The potential for an explosion, like to insulate the ammonium nitrate inside there so that it doesn't (laughs) go boom. (laughs) Uh, Is that water? Yeah. Sounds delicious. Oh, it was so moist. (laughs) Well, I mean, this story for me highlights what happens when... There's absolutely no regulation or oversight of the private sector, and that is the absolute centerpiece of conservative ideology, and Texas is the most overt expression of that ideology, to the extent that, I don't know if you remember this, but Rick Perry talked about secession. He talked about how if the federal government continues being so tyrannical, we're going to have to leave the union again. And as a footnote to that and to this explosion in West Texas, from the first line of this article from the Star-Telegram, star-telegram.com by Anna Tinsley, Governor Rick Perry on Thursday declared McClellan County home to West, the small community rocked by the deadly fertilizer plant explosion, a disaster area, and he announced that he's asking President Barack Obama for a federal emergency declaration as well. (laughs) These declarations will help free up funding to help those in the community impacted by the explosion with the massive recovery and rebuilding effort they face. Why, yes, Asia, they do want government money to help rebuild after this event.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I I feel like it's becoming more evident that Republicans look out for themselves and they're only interested in a subject when it affects them personally. Like how you saw so many senators suddenly change their minds about uh, gay marriage in such a short amount of time or quote unquote evolve because, you know, they had homosexuals in their family or because they saw that it would affect their votes personally because of more people in their district supporting gay marriage.
0: I think you also see more politicians in states like Texas supporting the oil industry because they get so much funding from it. So they have personal experience, but they have personal experience with the oil companies Uh and of course that that same like hands-off approach is obviously how these fertilizer places are treated again that exactly as you said like the the hypocrisy of railing against the federal government threatening to leave it not only that but most of the texas delegation and rick perry himself railed against any funding to rebuild the east coast after hurricane sandy Many of the Republicans in Congress voted against that aid package, and it took for fucking ever to pass. So, of course, that hypocrisy has always been there. But we've got pervasive, omnipresent, always on ways of spreading the truth about their hypocrisy to more and more people.
1: You know, I mean, I'm about to get a little racist here. (laughs) in my personal experience it is hard for to make you know like a straight white male who is middle class to rich see perspectives of those outside of them because you know they run in the same circles like packs you know and their family has fought hard to to keep them
0: kind of isolated yeah to stick with their tribe
1: yeah and in a I've seen it's more difficult for them to think, to empathize than it would be for any other other is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, for
0: any for any other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're exactly right. And not only that, but I would say that privilege in all its forms disguises itself. It not only teaches you to act a certain way and allows you to act a certain way it shields itself because most people who have privilege are blind to it mm-hmm. unless something really, really, really dramatic happens um, to them or to people near them, you know?
1: Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it is not up to others or it should not be up to others to have to explain this every time to somebody with privilege. I mean, they should come to these conclusions on their own. It's so sad that they don't. And I don't understand how it is so hard for them to empathize. I just it's like foreign to me. I don't
0: understand it. The nature of conservatism is to stick with your original tribe, to stick with your inherited traditions, to stick with your inherited knowledge and mindset, to stay loyal to institutions, to resist change. And when that is your mindset, when that is your entire MO, it's inherently going to put you into a position where your privilege is emphasized and where you're to where you you kind of keep yourself in alignment with people or places that will allow you to ignore your privilege or not have it called into question.
1: I understand, you know, the fact that People of privilege are most times married to their own willful ignorance of other cultures and socio- socioeconomic strata. What I don't understand is why they are so attached to it. And I also don't understand how it is up to, you know, an other to change their mind, I guess, you know, like I, I don't know, how to put that. I don't, why is basically
0: to answer the first question, they stick with it because it's the knowledge that they feel comfortable with in a world that is making them uncomfortable. It, when you are scared, you revert to your base instincts. You revert back to your tribalism or your paranoid thinking or fears of liberals or communists or socialists or whatever the hell. It makes you act like less of a good animal, basically. So, I mean, it's it's hard to change that, not only because humans are always resistant to change, but because the conservative mindset itself is to resist change. Like, the, the argument of conservatism is that not changing is in and of itself a good thing, that changing is in and of itself a bad thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the definition, you know. And
0: it's also not just up to the other to kind of assert their humanity. It's the job of everyone who doesn't believe solely in resisting change to fight for it as well.
1: I mean, to a certain, to a certain extent, it's, it's kind of happened that way. And I don't, I don't feel like it should take, as you know, as you said, it said, you know, a bunch of people telling these people, um, you know, to accept change more readily, um, and that they're now a minority in that sense that they don't. I also, I mean, you know, power-wise, I guess they're addicted to their own power and, and don't want to release a
0: stranglehold on exactly. it. Exactly, they fear losing it. And that'll wrap it up for this episode of By That I Mean. Stay tuned, and by that I mean literally do not leave your computer or house or domicile until the next episode arrives. I, I take that back, actually. I have no way to enforce that for now. Anyway, on the next episode of By That I Mean, Asia and I will discuss conspiracy theories, fraternities, and several new revelations about Asia's fear of nipples. I guarantee it'll be a good time, and it will be good for you. By That I Mean is a production of the MFP Studio in Los Angeles, California. If you liked this podcast, and I hope you did, you can like me at facebook.com slash By That I Mean. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And if you have any good cookie recipes, submit them through the MFP.org, which is my website. You can tweet me at MFPSeth if you want to say hi. And thank you for listening. I'll try to get the next episode out as quickly as these funky bones can make it happen.